truth, the whole truth, frankly and boldly. Nor need we shrink from honestly facing conditions in our country today. This great nation and its people will endure, as it has endured, will revive, and will prosper. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert, retreat, into advance. In every dark hour of our national life, a leadership of frankness and vigor has met has met with an understanding and support of the people themselves, which is essentially the victory. In such a spirit, on my part and on yours, we face our common difficulties. They concern, thank God, only material things. Values have shrunk to fantastic levels. Taxes have risen. Our ability to pay has fallen. Government of all kinds is faced by serious curtailment of income. The means of exchange are frozen in the currents of trade. The withered leaves of an industrial enterprise lie on every side. Farmers find no market for their produce. The savings of many years and thousands of families are gone. More important, a host of unemployed citizens face the grim problem of existence. And an equal greater number. Only a foolish optimist can deny the dark realities of the moment. And yet our distress comes from no failure of substance. We are stricken by no plague of locusts and compared with the perils which our forefathers conquered because they believed and were not afraid, we have still so much to be thankful for. Happiness lies not in mere possession of money. It lies in the joy of achievement and the thrill of creative effort. The joy, the moral stimulation of work no longer must be forgotten in the mad chase of an evanescent prophets. These dark days, my friend, will be worth all they cost us if they teach us that our true destiny is not in to be ministered unto, but to minister to ourselves, to our fellow men. In this dedication, in this dedication of a nation, we humbly ask the blessing of God. May he protect each one of us, and may he guide me in the days come. Franklin D. Roosevelt, March 4th, 1933. Those were the words of his inaugurational speech. And it's crazy. Because it doesn't that sound like something that could be said of us today, almost a hundred years later, still struggling through the same things? What about that comment? My firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Is that statement true? Is that statement true for you? Because fear is very real. Fear in what we face is, is very real. I don't know what you fear, what your fear is. Maybe it's the fear of spiders like Rachel or clowns like Chandler, or being a buried alive like Ross? Are friends still funny? No? All right. See, there's a survey that went out in the last two years in a row. The number one greatest fear was corruption of government officials, followed by terrorist attacks, 
And the third greatest fear was not having enough money. Another poll uh, taken over the last few years said that public speaking was the number one fear. Spiders were down at number three, and even zombies made the top ten in that list. I don't know what you have going on in your life. It might be fear of an illness, fear of the thought of maybe cancer, fear of the people you love dying. What is it for you? going to have you fill out a blank and put your fear in there, but that would be too real. But if you had a blank today, what would it be? What would you put in that spot? But fear is legitimate in what we face today. I was getting my hair cut uh, just recently, and a barber uh, said to me, his one little girl, and he said, man, I am not going to bring another child into this world to have them fear every day for their life. And we had an interesting conversation for the half an hour that he was cutting my hair. I don't know why it takes a half an hour. I don't have a lot to cut. (laughs) But maybe it was the conversation that came on. And it got me really thinking because we talked about, like, really? Like, that's, that's the fear that he had. And so even in my mind, I thought to myself, well, man, I wonder what my kids feel. And so I went home and And I asked my youngest, I said, do you fear for your life? And he said, why, are we not having dessert for dinner? (laughs) Like, no joke. Really focused on the dessert. I had a friend actually tell me that they had a fear, a real fear of coming to church. So supposedly you guys are pretty scary. uh, And you made their list. But what I want for us to do today as we intro this new series called Fearless, I want to I intro the idea of fear and get us thinking about um, what fear is, maybe what it means to you uh, and how you deal with it as well as looking at how, uh, how God deals with it, uh, looking at this inaugural address that we looked at from Theo uh, and then also jumping back three, 4,000 years into the Old Testament and, and taking a look at what fear was like back then. Uh, and, and over these next, I don't know, four, five, six weeks, whenever I get bored of it, uh, we'll move on. But, but really looking at God's uh, general idea of fear and, and how, uh, how fear affects us, uh, the cost of it, and ultimately uh, what God says about it, and even looking at what it means to fear the Lord, healthy fear, unhealthy fear. Uh, What I want us to do to start with today, uh, and one thing I know to be true, and you've heard me say it before as we've talked about Old Testament, New Testament, and current God, is that uh, God is the same yesterday as he is today and as he will be tomorrow. The constant is God in this, and the way he deals with things then is the same way he deals with things now, same God for us. So fear in itself is something that we all face in our lives. And, and I've really kind of embraced that idea this morning or in the studying and looking at this, this idea of even the title of the sermon series, Fearless, is, is kind of an oxymoron because I don't think we can be absent of fear. 
I think uh, being absent of fear is an uphill climb that we wouldn't be able to do and conquer, so to speak. And so this morning, I want us to look at the idea of uh, getting us thinking around this idea. And, and, then, and then what truth, what scripture, what God says to each one of us uh, about uh, fear in itself. Uh, the story I want us to look at today, as well as jumping around uh, through some other texts, is a story out of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. If, you're, uh, if you've got a Bible, you can open it up. If you've got an app, this is the one time you're allowed to look at your phone. The Seahawks aren't playing, so you don't have to watch the Seahawks while I'm preaching. Um, but uh, they play later. Uh, but we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. All right? Uh, and, and, and you'll see as we dive into this uh, story this morning, we'll look at the first three verses to start with, that there's some real fear in here. And, uh, and there's some real instructions that God lays out for us uh, in this. Joshua 1, uh, we're going to go 1 through 9, but we're going to do 1 through 3 to start with. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. And so at the beginning of this story, we see that Joshua is handpicked by God to lead uh, what is like a, a million or two million uh, people. And it comes right on the heels of Moses. And I know we looked at Moses during the flawed series, but you cannot deny the fact that Moses is probably one of the greatest, most influential leaders ever. Moses had the staff that he turned into a snake. Like, that was Moses. Moses went directly up to the most powerful person in the world at the time, Pharaoh, and said to him, what? Let my people go. Pharaoh said no at first, but eventually we know the plagues came, called down, uh, and, and he eventually let uh, the people go. You got Moses of the Red Sea and the splitting of the waters. You got Moses with the, the, the uh, superhero act of tapping the rock and like Evian water chilled to 37 degrees came out for everybody to drink. Mo I went to the bagelry this weekend and Moses was the guy that like called on the bagelry and all the manna came and everybody was fed. That's Moses. Moses, as we have a church barbecue later on, uh, you, you complain to Moses and we'll have a bird fry, right? We'll have a bird barbecue because Moses called down the quail and fed his people. God loved and, 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 and was with Moses so much so that a cloud, God said, follow me. And Moses was like, well, I don't know where to go. And he said, well, let me put a cloud up there and you can just follow that cloud and it'll take you wherever you want to go by day. And well, we can't see clouds at night, so to speak. So what am I going to do there? Well, I'll make fire and you can follow that fire, Moses. Right? And so God was with Moses. And so God says, well, hey, Joshua, uh, my main man, Mo, he's dead now, and you're going to lead. And as if following in Moses' footsteps isn't enough, God says, you're going to have to take these one to two million people uh, across the Jordan River during what's thought to be the season of flood stage. So like, kind of like the nooksack in spring, I would say. Hopefully, maybe I'll get to go see the Jordan, but... Um, the idea is, is you got to take all these people across. And then not only that, on the other side of the Jordan River is Jericho. 
And Jericho at that time is like breaking into uh, a high security prison where all the inmates are actually not trying to escape, but they're trying to keep you from getting in. And all you have is some complaining, uh, agitated, uh, skilled villagers. And you're going to have to face Jericho. So God said, go. You're going to lead my people. And I would think, and I actually with confidence can say that, I bet you Joshua had a fear of living up to expectations. Right, following in Moses' footsteps, he had to lead up to expectations. It's very real that Joshua had a fear of failure, a very real fear of death. Joshua would have, Joshua would have, would have had. And yes, maybe I would actually go out on a limb and say that the same fears Joshua is facing is maybe the same fears that the constituents that FDR was speaking to in his inaugural address, which then maybe is some of the same fears a lot of you and myself are facing uh, today. Not knowing how you're going to get through whatever it is that you're facing right now in your life. That the fear of thinking, man, I just don't have what it takes. Like I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I just don't have it in me. There's no way I can do this. There's no way I can get through this. And in the same story, God really addresses this in, in multiple different ways. And we're going to focus on three or four of them this morning. What does God say when it comes to that kind of fear? Very real fear. And some of the stuff maybe you'd be facing. Verse 3, it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to uh, the Euphrates to the Hittite County to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will never leave nor forsake you. And the start of those next uh, two verses there are the promises that God gives to Joshua. He speaks these directly to them, and actually Moses had spoke them to him earlier in, in grooming and raising up Joshua. Uh, he speaks these promises to Joshua to encourage him in a spot that I think he's actually not feeling capable. And that same God speaks those to us today if we allow him to be faithful, they are true in our lives as well. That he's with us and he's wanting to give us territory. And unless we allow uh, the experience of that, and unless Joshua allows the experience of trusting God in that way, God doesn't work. That, that actually Joshua or ourselves miss out on allowing God to be faithful in our lives. And I would say that this, that God knew Joshua Really well. God knew Joshua better than he knew Joshua. God knows you better than you know yourself. And with that and with God being in the conversation in verse 6, he picks up with this. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful 
be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Did you catch what was written in there? I want to focus on three things that were written in there. The first, the first I would say are, are really basic. Really basic things that God wants us to know. The first is that God wants us to obey him. That his words are written, and these aren't blanks, but you can write them in the margin. You can write them in the margin of your Bible. You can write them in the, in the, in the bulletin. But God wants us to obey him. And he wants us to know uh, and, and act according to his will in our lives. That's the allowing him to have uh, our hearts. And the, and the second is uh, to not turn from uh, the law. Now, at this time in the Old Testament, there were 613 laws that you had to adhere to. Uh, you know, that's uh, more of a suggestion now in the New Testament for us. But there's laws, and in actuality for us today, that God wants us to uh, know his word. In his Bible uh, is written his character and his faithfulness and, and what he desires for us, the relationship that he wants from us. All those things are in his word. And God says there that he doesn't want us to turn from it, that he actually wants us to meditate on it. So he actually, actually wants us to physically open our Bibles and read them or actually pull them up on our phones and read them and know what's written in there so that we can live by it, so that we can feel that inside of us. Those are the first two. Each mentioned once, maybe suggested a second time, but there's something that's written in there that you may be caught on to that he says to Joshua more than, more than three times even. I think it's mentioned four times, and actually Moses even mentions it back in Deuteronomy 31. And he mentions that uh, it, to Joshua. Uh, he says, be strong and courageous. And he says that to him three times. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Uh, and then... References, references it again. And so we could walk away from this text and just be like, all right, be strong and courageous. See you later, you know. But, but I want to maybe address what you're thinking because you would think, well, maybe, you know, we actually don't see that Joshua's actually in fear in this text. I think he really is because I, I think why God mentions this three times in here is because Joshua's scared out of his mind at the idea of following in Moses' footsteps and taking over God's people and leading them into the Jordan and into Jericho and taking over and then into the promised land. Like, I get that the promised land is that goal for Joshua, but I'm like, I'm thinking he's, he's scared of what he's about to face. Death, meeting the expectations of the greatest leader up until then at least, uh, meeting those expectations, the fear of just failing as a leader. I was, um, in references, be strong and courageous, I was utterly floored uh, a few weeks ago 
um, as I, and, I, and I just barely started uh, kind of hashing out what we were going to talk about, but um, we had some friends of Micah's over, and the situation in having these friends over lended itself to him sharing something super embarrassing, some information that uh, some of his friends would have easily caused him to uh, face a fear and a challenge that, uh, that would change the dynamic of the whole situation of what was going on. And I had pulled my son aside, and, and, uh, and I was going to talk to him about it. And I was going to, you know, have that man-to-man, heart-to-heart talk and, and kind of share with him and tr- tr- really try to encourage him. And, and he looked at me, and it was the stare that he looked at me. If you have a child that walks, you've probably endured this stare before where you're dead asleep in bed, and you wake up, and there's your child right there, like staring at you. And you're like, whoa, like how long have they been there kind of thing? And he's staring directly at me. And he says, dad, he says this, he says, dad, I decided to be brave. And I already talked to my friends about it. And I was like, whoa, like the maturity level of that seven-year-old like far eclipsed and surpassed anything that I would have thought of. Like I had already thought like, Man, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this situation? He says, Dad, I decided to be brave already. And it clicked for me in that moment that, that one, kids can teach us a lot about uh, life and, 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 and a perspective. Um, but that he had decided that his fear, uh, he wanted to meet it directly head on. Like he wanted to attack it, and he decided that he would that he would go with the truth, uh, of and, and even face the consequences of what could ha- happen and how it might affect him. And I walked away with this sense of being rocked to the core of my own fears, like the things that I'm fearful in my life. One of them raising my children the right way, and the idea of just facing those head on, and. In, in making that decision, uh, like hopefully Joshua would, with being strong and courageous and knowing and attacking it with the truth. John 14, 27 says, Peace I live with, leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I think ultimately fear... Uh, is a choice that we have, and how we combat it is another choice. And another study that I looked up in preparation for this was, uh, did you know that 80 to 90% of the people polled over the last few generations feel that the next generation coming up will not be as safe as their generation? I have this conversation often with parents about like, Dude, when I was six years old, I jumped on my bike and rode for days, you know, like, and nowadays I don't even let my seven-year-old walk a block down the street to the park, you know, and, but is it a real fear? 80 to 90% of the people polled, that means very little actually think that their children are going to be safe and, and as they grow up and as they get older, and I think to myself, I actually have read the Old Testament and, and see the things that they were facing, I think, I don't know that we've got it worse. Like, I don't know. I mean, with technology and everything that we're going on, and that actually might be some of the fears, but we should actually be safer, maybe. So I don't think um, 
that the argument is that things have gotten worse for us. There's, there's something else in there. And that was one of the things that intrigued me in this idea of, of addressing and looking at the fears that we face uh, today in our lives. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is, uh, I know we'll look at this again in weeks to come, but this is uh, the, uh, the address of the analogy of a shepherd and his sheep, and the analogy of a rod and a staff being that he guides his sheep. He directs his sheep, and we've, we sang about it this morning that he would direct us. Like This verse speaks to God's direction in our lives and how he desires to, to, to like a shepherd, hurt us in the right way and keep us from evil. Right? Keep us from the attacks of the enemy is used over and over. And in Deuteronomy, uh, back in 31, Moses tells Joshua that God is going to be with him. That God is going to guide his feet in the, uh, the upcoming thing. And God, and Moses, I knew, knew just as much as God knew what Joshua was feeling and what he was struggling with. And what we read in Joshua 1, he said to Joshua directly, I am with you like I was with Moses. And so as we look into this idea of fear and the things that we're facing in our lives and everything we have going on, I want us to operate from the truth that God is always with you. God is always with you. That should be of some comfort. That should be of some assurance to us. Like hearing and knowing and understanding the idea that God is with us should rock our world, should directly affect our feelings, should directly uh, change the way we look and have an outlook on life. The same God that was with Jonah in the belly of the whale, the same God that was with Daniel in the lion's den, the same God that was with Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That same God is with us. The same God that was with Moses, the same God that was with David, the same God that is directing Joshua, the same God that healed the blind man, that told the man to pick up his mat and walk, that same God is with us. The same God that called the demons out of that dude that was in the cemetery, right? That same God is with us today. Like that should just rock our world, that idea. And yet does it? Like does that do anything for the fears that you have in your life? Do you allow that truth to be real and at the foundation of what you face? good or bad or indifferent? Does it just change the way you put your feet on the floor in the morning? It should. 2 Timothy 1 says, for the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us, or for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God and who he is and how he created us desires for his presence with us to change our lives. To not coward back in, 
and, and uh, shrink away from the challenges that we have. It shouldn't cause us to fade away into the background. It should cause us like a seven-year-old to face them, to face what we have going on in life and attack it in the truth of who God is. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we should act like it. And I'm not saying we all need to be like, stand on a soapbox attack, I mean, but, but it shouldn't change our feeling of how life is if we wrestle with him with it. So my question for you this morning is are you feeding your fears or are you feeding your faith? Are you feeding truth? Are you feeding the fears in your life or are you feeding truth? Because both, both are very present and one ultimately is gonna win out the other in your life. So which one are you feeding? Which one are you, are you allowing and I'm not going to stand up here and say, well, you just need to stop it. Like, you just need to stop it. No. I mean, it's something that we wrestle with. And if we don't allow God to work in those areas in our lives, we're not going to know him to be faithful in those areas in our lives. And then we will, because of our unknowing of his faithfulness, won't test him and won't allow him to be faithful. Does that make sense? Kind of. Like if we allow God to be truth, and we exercise trust in him, then we will continue to trust in him. But if we don't, if we feed our fears and let them control us, then that is what gets big, that's what gets bigger in our lives. So I'm gonna ask you, what are you focusing on more? What appetite are you feeling? What fire are you stoking in your life? Are you giving God the opportunity to, to show you otherwise? To prove himself in your life. What voice are you allowing to be the loudest? Fear's loud, constant, present. That is what has changed what I think the most for us is that we have allowed that fear, we have allowed culture, we have allowed our feelings to be louder than God's truth in our lives. So will you look at that? Over these next few weeks, will, will you consider it? Will you take a journey with us on who God is and the truth of who he is? Let's pray.